Hello, this is Tony Blazer for the Motocross Vault presented by Blinzall. If you're in the market for some high-quality racing oil for your two-stroke or four, make sure you go to blinzall.com and use our discount code VAULT20 to save 20% at checkout. Thank you for all the support. Hello and welcome back to the Motocross Vault. My name is Tony Blazer, and what this video is going to cover is a look back at Yamaha's all-new YZ125 for 1989. Now this is a bike I actually owned. I had a YZ125 back, uh, actually it was early 90s, a couple years old when I got it. It's a good little motorcycle. Um, I definitely learned a lot riding. It was one of those bikes that I got and I really did not have a lot of uh, motocross skill and it kind of uh, helped me grow in my, you know, my skill set as I uh, rode it. I had it about, I think it was a year, year or two. Uh, it was actually the first bike that I trophied racing motocross on and I really enjoyed it for a while. Uh, eventually I had a problem with mine. This is the first year they went to the Nicosil coating on the cylinder and the Nicosil ended up chipping on mine or flaking off, I guess, technically. And, uh, back then I took it to Fredericktown Yamaha and I couldn't afford a new cylinder and there really wasn't the plating. I don't think was even a thing at that point. People, the Nicosil was pretty new, at least in the motocross world at that point. So he ended up having to put a sleeve in it. They re-sleeved the cylinder and then it just never ran right after that. I think they had the porting just maybe a little bit off, but in any case, while it ran well, uh, it was a fun little bike. Good mid-range power, not a lot of top end. Uh, I had an 88 YZ as well, and the 89 was a little better. The power band was a little wider. Um, the 88 had this really strong low to mid punch. I mean, super strong for a 125. I always remember thinking it was more like almost like a 200. It had such strong low end, but it hit a wall. As soon as you went past the mid-range, the bike just fell off a cliff. And this 89 pulled a little farther and had much better ergonomics. Uh, the layout was all new this year. They went to that YZM styling. Uh, which was on the YZ250 the year before, and it was uh, the tank was much lower, it's slimmer, um, had a much more flat layout, I guess. It was easier to move around on. The suspension was a little soft uh, stock, but uh, at the time, I wasn't going major uh, airtime all the time, so it was fine for what I was doing. I enjoyed the bike a lot. I think a lot of people liked it. Damon Bradshaw almost won the 125 uh, outdoor Tylon. only missed it out by three points to Mike Kodrowski, mainly due to crashes that year, typical Bradshaw, and he actually won the Supercross title, so... This is a pretty good year for Yamaha. You know, a year or two after this, things went completely off the rails. In the YZ125, they kind of neutered the power, and it really um, just didn't work out. Some of the changes they made, like in 91, didn't uh, weren't for the better. So this is probably the heyday for the late 80s YZ125. It's probably the best run there from 86 through maybe 95 was the first year where things kind of started getting going back in the right direction. So if you like this sort of thing, make sure you check out some of the other videos I've done. I've done a classic review of machines like many of the CRs, YZs in the past. You'll find all kinds of bikes. I cover them all from Yamaha to Suzuki to Honda. I also just did a history of the XR200. Uh, if you're into off-road bikes, where I go look through every XR from the beginning to the end in 79 until, I guess, 2002 was the last year. I've also done a look back at, like, the CR80. I just did one a couple months back on the CR250. So if you like these classic reviews, make sure you check out some of the others on the channel. If you'd like to support what I do, I just came out with an all-new uh, design uh, based on a three-wheeler, actually. I had several people ask me for an ATV design, so I did one based on the iconic Honda uh, ATC 250R. You can find that on my Teespring. There'll be a link in the description below. And I just came out with one based on one of my uh, favorite-looking bikes of all time, uh, the 1990 KTM 250, the all-new bike that year uh, that Brock Glover had developed the year before. Really good-looking machine, in my opinion. I love this red, white, and blue color scheme. I think this is a great-looking motorcycle. And uh, I think this t-shirt looks pretty good, too. So if you like to support what I do, check them out. Uh, the, as I said, the, the link will be in the description below. So here is the story of the 1989 Yamaha YZ125.
The 80s were a very up-and-down decade for Yamaha's venerable YZ125. After starting the decade with some strong performers, the YZ went into the doghouse with a run of pathetically slow 125s. In stock condition, they were painfully slow, and once modified, they were painfully slow and unreliable. In 1984 and 85, the YZ125 became the notorious punching bag of the magazine editors looking for colorful canine metaphors to describe their pokey performance. In 1986, Yamaha finally broke out of this slump by introducing an all-new YZ125. The new-look YZ's case-read engine was punchy, potent, and worlds faster than the lethargic 1985 version had been. The redesigned YZ was sleeker, slimmer, and far more competitive than anything Yamaha had offered in the 125 class in half a decade. With its cranky clutch and notchy shifting, it was not up to unseating Honda's omnipotent CR125R at the top, but it did finally bring Yamaha back from irrelevance in the 125 class. After once again losing out to Honda's Red Ripper in 87 and 88, Yamaha set about a plan to reclaim the title of best 125 on the land in 1989. To do this, the engineers dialed up an all-new design that looked to improve the handling, ergonomics, and power of their 8th liter racer. This reimagined machine did away with 90% of the 88 design and featured an all-new chassis, re-engineered suspension, and a complete redesign of the bodywork. Even the motor, which was largely a carryover design, was reworked and massaged to boost rideability and overall performance. Sleek, slim, and sexy, this was an all-new type of YZ125. In 1988, the YZ125 had been a decent middle-of-the-road handler that lacked the precision of the Honda and the planted feel of the Kawasaki. It was front and light coming out of corners, and there was a generally unplanted feel to the chassis. Much of this was due to the YZ's shock, which tended to kick when not under power. The handling was not a total disaster, but the YZ lacked the finesse of some of its rivals. For 1989, Yamaha looked to rectify this by dialing up an all-new frame for the YZ125. The new frame was stronger for 89, featuring a beefed-up square tubing for the main down tube and a massive increase in bracing around the swing arm pivot. Overall geometry was altered slightly, with a 5mm increase in the trail and a slight reduction in the rake. The new frame also added a removable section to the rear to aid servicing of the shock. This was not as convenient as the fully removable subframe found on the Hondas, but it was a significant improvement over previous Yamaha designs. Adding to the sturdier feel for 1989 was all-new suspension both front and rear. Up front, Yamaha spec'd an all-new set of 41mm Kiyaba inverted forks that promised to increase the rigidity and offer a more precise action. The new inverted design provided a more precise feel by moving the larger diameter tubing to the upper clamp area, increasing the overlap in the forks by 30%, and introducing a new tapered shim stack in the cartridge system. These new forks offered 11.8 inches of travel and an external adjustment for compression damping, but it did lack some of the rebound adjustability of its rivals. In the rear, the 89YZ125 featured an all-new monocross rear suspension system. The redesigned swing arm was larger overall and significantly stronger than in 1988. In addition to being more resistant to flex, the new swing arm improved maintenance and reliability by switching to a push-style chain adjuster and adding a significant bracing to the chain guide. The chain buffer was also redesigned to be softer and much quieter than the rock-hard and annoyingly loud unit employed in 1988. Mated to the redesigned swing arm was an all-new rising rate linkage that was engineered to provide a more progressive action for 89. An all-new Kayaba shock was also spec'd that was lighter and more durable with hard anodized components and a switch from steel to aluminum for the shock's body. Internally, the new damper featured tighter tolerances and a redesigned valving system that promised to provide smoother action by reducing stiction. 
Overall travel was set at 12.3 inches, with the external adjustments available for both compression and rebound control. In addition to the redesigned rear suspension, the 89YZU125 featured an all-new work-style 19-inch rear wheel that was designed to provide both improved straight-line acceleration and provide a more precise cornering feel. In use for several years by the factory race teams, the 19-inch hoop allowed for the use of a lower-profile rear tire, which was preferred for its low-flex characteristics under heavy loads. In addition to the new rear wheel, both braking systems were upgraded with new rotors, redesigned calipers, and a revised to the pad material. The front master cylinder also received a new ratio to improve lever feel. Finishing off the chassis changes for 89 were all new plastic components that closely mimicked the YZM style bodywork introduced in 1988 on the YZ250. This redesigned plastic freshened up the YZ's looks and improved the riding compartment significantly. The new seat featured a flatter profile and a smoother transition at the tank that carried up all the way to the gas cap. Matched to the seat was a redesigned fuel cell that featured slightly more capacity and a significantly lower profile to aid rider movement. Both the tank and the radiators were relocated to sit farther down on the chassis to further centralize mass. In addition to improving ergonomics, the new asymmetrical shrouds gave the YZ a very exotic work spike look that most riders really loved at the time. In addition to being lower, the new radiators also offered an increase in capacity for 1989. Cosmetically, both side plates were redesigned to be smaller and more stylish as well, with the left side losing the side access airbox of 1988. On the motor side, Yamaha dialed up a significant amount of changes for 1989. Externally, the engine looked largely unchanged, but internally, Yamaha made some major moves aimed at broadening the YZ's punchy but short delivery. The first among these changes was a new crank that increased the stroke by 0.7 millimeters. This change added up to a 1.8cc increase in displacement for 1989. The shape of the lower cases and intake were also modified to provide better flow and faster crank stuffing. Made to the new bottom end was a redesigned cylinder that maintained the old-style Yamaha power valve system, but added an all-new porting and a reshaped drum for the mechanism. For 1989, the cylinder also ditched the heavy steel liner of previous YZs in favor of a new Nicosil coating that was tougher, lighter, and better at shedding heat. While ultra-tough, this move to Nicosil did mean that boring the cylinder was no longer an option in the event of a catastrophic failure. Finally, finishing off the new top end was a redesigned piston, which featured a flatter crown for increased compression and a reduction in distance of 2mm between the crown and the wrist pin to increase strength. To further improve durability, four holes were drilled into the piston skirt to increase lubrication. In an attempt to squeeze a bit more top end power out of their case reed mill, Yamaha decided to increase the size of the carburetor for a 1989. A new 35mm flat slide McCuny TM35SS was bolted on that promised improved throttle response and a longer pull on top. In addition to the larger mixer, Yamaha redesigned the airbox for 89 with a larger air boot and an increase in the internal volume. In addition to being larger overall, the new airbox increased the size of the opening drawing air in and moved the filter access from the side plate to under the seat. Finishing off the quest for more top-end power was a redesigned exhaust that featured a straighter profile and a slightly longer silencer. In the bottom end, Yamaha dialed up an all-new clutch and transmission for 1989. In the previous three seasons, these components had been the real Achilles heel of the YZ125. The motors were plenty fast, but the transmissions were stubborn and the clutches were weak. Under power, it was nearly impossible to select the next gear without slipping the clutch and backing off the throttle. On a 125, where keeping it pinned was critical to success, this was not ideal. To address these issues, Yamaha redesigned the clutch mechanism for smoother engagement and revised the primary reduction ratio in the transmission to slow it slightly in an effort to reduce the old machine's notchy engagement. 
New gears were also specced for the six-speed transmission that tightened up the spacing in first through fifth gear. In addition to the new mechanism, the clutch received a redesigned two-piece cover that allowed for access without removing the complete side case for the first time. On the track, the new YZ125 turned out to be a significant improvement over the 88 in virtually every category. The new motor was slightly less potent off the line than 88, but its overall power band was much wider. Low-end torque remained generous for a 125, but the YZ no longer snorted out of the hole like a 200 enduro machine. The 89 version of Yamaha's Case Reed Mill started pulling a little bit later and continued to pull a bit farther than before. As an 88, it did its best work in the mid-range, however, where it barked with the strongest blast in the class. On top, it tapered off less suddenly than before, but it continued to prefer the rider to shift rather than try to ring it out. Compared to its 125 competition, the YZ was stronger down low than the CR and KX, and beefier through the middle than all of its rivals. On top, the Honda walked away, and off idle, the all-new RM125 was snappier. Because of its strong low to mid power, the YZ was rated by most as the second best power band in 1989. It was easier to keep on the pipe than the Honda, and faster than the mellow Kawasaki and novice-friendly Suzuki. For true throttle jockeys, the high-strung Honda was better, but for most riders, the YZ was a very solid choice. While the power output of the 89YZ was highly competitive, its clutch and transmission continued to be a hindrance in its overall appeal. The new transmission offered a slightly smoother action for 89, but its engagement continued to be lackluster compared to its rivals. Power shifting remained a hit-or-miss affair, and several riders complained that the new shifter was actually difficult to find in the heat of battle. The new clutch did offer a slightly easier pull and improved durability, but overall, the YZ's clutch and transmission combo continued to be the weak link in an otherwise very competitive motor package. On the suspension front, the new YZ was trick, but not particularly effective. In 1989, the YZ was the only 125 to move to inverted forks, and that gave it the edge in pit cachet, if not actual performance. As delivered from the factory, the YZ's forks were undersprung and harshly damped. On big hits, they crashed to the stops and bottomed with a thud. Even slower and lighter riders commented on the YZ's marshmallow springs and thought the bike could have performed better with firmer settings. Compared to top fork performers in the class, such as the KX and RM, the YZ's only real advantage was in deep ruts, where the inverted design offered more clearance. The upside-down forks did offer less flex in the rough than the competition's conventional designs, but without a major upgrade in both the springs and damping, it was pretty much impossible to take advantage of any of this. On the shock side, the new Kiaba damper proved better setup than the forks. The overall spring rate and damping settings were well within the ballpark for most pilots likely to find their way onto a YZ125. It was well controlled on hard landings, but many riders complained of harsh feeling in the midstroke that detracted from its overall plushness. Small chop also seemed to flummox his damping at times, and some testers noted a hint of the old Yamaha was still in his DNA. Because of the bike's lightweight and modest power output, the YZ could still be raced with the stock components in place, but for most riders, it was the least well-sorted suspension package available in 1989. In the chassis department, the YZ was much improved for 89. The new beefier frame and sturdier inverted forks gave the bike a much more solid feel that dispelled most of the vague steering habits of the old chassis. On hard pack, the YZ went where it was pointed and it felt far more planted than the year before. But in sand and mud, that sure-footedness went away slightly. It was better than previous YZs, but it was still not as accurate as carvers like the RM and CR. As in 1988, its best handling trait was its stability. Unlike the twitchers in the class, the YZ could be bombed down and whooped out straight without any fear of the bars being wrenched from your hands. With the mismatched stock suspension settings in place, however, the bike could get a bit unsettled at times, but once you stiffen up the forks and even things out, the YZ was one of the most stable machines available at the time. Aiding the YZ's handling in 89 was its new layout. 
The new bodywork lowered the center of gravity and made it far easier to keep pilots forward in turns. The new tank was slim and flatter and lighter, in spite of the fact that the weight was nearly unchanged. Most riders liked the new low boy layout, but some taller riders did complain that the revised ergonomics were slightly cramped. On the detailing front, the new YZ was much improved for 89. The new quick access clutch cover and removable frame spar made servicing easier, and the new softer chain buffer stopped the clatter that had been a constant companion on previous Yamahas. The engineers also ditched the majority of the problematic Phillips screws found on earlier machines in favor of much more durable hex head bolts for 1989. The new pipe tucked in far better than before and hung down less at the header. This made it far less likely to be damaged in a crash and less prone to roasting your inner calf in a long moto. The new brakes offered excellent power and an improved feel over the slightly grabby 88 units as well. Pretty much everyone loved the looks of the new bodywork, but some riders did complain about catching their boots on the left side shroud. Unfortunately, the upper shroud mount was not really up to this abuse, and it was easy to pull it loose from its mounting. On the less impressive side for 89 were the YZ's bars, which were bent for an orangutan and butter soft, grips, which chewed up your hands pretty quickly, and cranky shifting. Compared to machines like the CR125, the Yamaha seemed to lose that new feeling much faster and generally felt clapped out more quickly. Thankfully, this did not seem to actually hinder its reliability, however, and the YZ proved a very tough-to-kill machine in 1989. Overall, Yamaha came to play in 1989 with a much improved YZ125 package. The new machine offered improved power, tighter handling, and the latest in works technology. With its trick inverted forks, YZM styling, and 19-inch rear wheel, Yamaha signaled that they were serious about gunning for Honda in the 125 class. The 89YZ125 offered competitive power, Sano looks, and much improved handling. Unfortunately, it also offered poorly set up suspension and a cantankerous cog box. Despite this, many riders still found the YZ to be an attractive alternative to the blazing fast but demanding to ride Honda CR125. Fast, fun, and somewhat lacking in finesse, the A9YZ125 was a solid package in need of a bit more polish. So there you have it. That's a look back at the all-new 1989YZ125, a machine that was very competitive that year. Um, I think, again, people think of the YZ125s of this era as all being dogs because uh, maybe because the 91 and 92 were so terrible. Uh, they were just pathetic. If you ever rode one of those things, man, they just, just made noise and went nowhere. But the A9 was much better. It had a, a good, strong mid-range burst had the most mid-range power that year it was really like once it came in the pipe it hit hard it just didn't pull real far and the shifting was just awful i actually ended up uh, buying a uh, shifter that race tech made in 1989 this race tech shifter moved the pivot point of the uh, shift mechanism all the way back to the swing arm pivot so it basically it was a linkage shifter like you would have seen on like a harley street bike or something but it really improved the shifting it made such a huge difference and uh, I put one on my 89, it really helped. And it, it looked ridiculous, but it worked. And that just made me an indication of just how bad these things shifted that uh, Racetech would develop the time and effort into uh, making something like this. And they apparently were pretty popular. I, like I said, they were kind of weird looking, but they worked. Um, other than that, really, the shifting was really the main bugaboo with this bike. Um, I wasn't fast enough to worry about the suspension. It was a little soft, and I thought the rebound was a little quick to me. But again, I, I was not Damon Bratch all the time, so I wasn't pressing the edge of the envelope there. So for my speed and my skill level at the time, it was a great bike to learn on. And I really think I actually took my skill level forward with this bike. I, I, I definitely got a lot better. As I said earlier in the intro, this is the first bike I trophied on. And uh, I really started to kind of progress in my motocross skill set with this 89YZ. It was a good little machine and a really good beginner bike. And for somebody at my speed at the time, I thought it was really excellent. So... 
Uh, if you like this sort of thing, again, make sure you check out some of the other stuff I've done on the channel. If you like support what I do, check out the merch, which is available at the uh, Teespring. Um, and again, the link will be in the description below. So thank you for the support. If you could like, subscribe, share on social media, add a comment. Let me know which other reviews you'd like to see. I read all the reviews. I definitely check uh, take those into account when I look at the next machine I'm going to cover. I really appreciate all the support and all the interaction we get here on YouTube and on social media. So thank you again for the support. Until we meet again, this is Tony Blazer for the Motocross Vault. Keep the rubber side down. Peace.